0: Hey, this is Kevin O'Connor on today's episode of The Mismatch with me and Chris Vernon. We talked about all the free agent moves that we've seen over the past couple of days, how it impacts contenders and teams trying to get into the playoffs, and which moves we thought were great and which moves we thought were kind of silly and teams should have passed on. All that next.
1: This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm,
2: This episode is brought to you by Grand Marnier. Forget the ordinary margarita. It's time you added a little finesse to your cocktail game. Enter Grand Marnier. Inspired by French style and sophistication, Grand Marnier blends smooth cognac with bold orange liqueur. A grand encounter fit for champions. Follow Grand Marnier USA on Instagram to learn more. Drink with style, drink responsibly. Grand Marnier, liqueur, 40% alcohol by volume, copyright 2023, Campari, America, New York, New York.
3: Welcome to The Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. And joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict,
0: Kevin O'Kindness. Kevin o What's going on this Tuesday morning?
3: Well, we have had a ton of free agency news that has gone on. As we attempted to do the show on Friday night, there was still so much news that were was filtering in. And now we have a lot of teams that have changed their outlook for the upcoming season. So let's start with two that I think have vaulted themselves from non-playoff team into right in the middle of the playoff mix in their respective conferences. The first one would be the Hawks. Let's say this Uh. Bogdanovich thing goes through. So they've added Bogdanovich. They add Gallinari. They add Rajon Rondo. They add Chris Dunn. this team, I think they added Solomon Hill yesterday, who I've told you, um, they, they nice veteran to have on around.
0: Okongwu as well. Yep,
3: yep. So this team, which was nowhere close to a playoff team last year, and we have not seen them play in so long because they were not one of those teams that went to the bubble. This is a totally different roster, and I think this is what you hope if you're a fan of a team that has all kinds of flexibility going into an off season that you do revamp your roster. You've got a young star in Trey Young. And I feel like, you know, who knows what the, what the ceiling is, but I certainly think the Hawks have vaulted themselves into a team that I would not have had in the playoffs that I absolutely will have as a playoff
0: team this upcoming season. Are you sure though, Chris, because you look at the East, you have Milwaukee, Toronto, I think, is going to be in there again, despite their losses. Boston, Indiana, Miami, Philly, Brooklyn. That's seven teams. Seven teams who I would have above Atlanta. So for that eighth spot, Atlanta, no doubt. I mean, they obviously got better, assuming the Kings don't match for Bogdanovich, which uh, they have until 11.59 p.m. Eastern tonight to do that. Um you know, assuming they don't match, Atlanta's right there for the eight seed. Maybe they're able to bump you know a team out and get the seven seed. Maybe a team has injury issues. Whatever. You know, there's a lot of variables over the course of the season. But I still think Charlotte. You know, adding Gordon Hayward. You know, ha- having internal development from PJ Washington. You know, maybe Lamelo Ball comes in and contributes right away. Washington with John Wall and Bradley Beal, and you know, drafting Denny Avdi, a guy that can play right away. I look at those teams, I mean, or even like Detroit, what if Blake Griffin has a healthy season? There's a number of teams on the bubble in the East that have a chance at the eight seed and Atlanta's right in there. They're in that bubble for sure. Uh, But I don't feel like they're a guarantee to make it in, which is why there is so much pressure on Travis Schlank, their general manager, and there will be on Lloyd Pierce, their head coach to get in because if they don't get in it appears that ownership is probably going to make a change within that organization at the front office and coaching so they got to get in well they, but we they're, know they're, this they're only in the this. plan
3: they'll be in the plan and and we we look at that and we we type in seven teams for sure right somebody's always worse somebody is always worse yeah. than what we think we had portland solidly in there they were coming off a western conference finals appearance they were on the outside looking in. Now they made it in the play-in game at the bubble. We also, you know, look, there, there's always teams that fall off. And so I just like, when I look at their top 10 guys, that is, that's a top 10 guys that I would certainly walk into and compete with and think that at, at worst, they're playing in. Because you got to remember, there's 10 teams now. There's 10 playoff teams. Mm. It's <laughs> right? exactly. not just eight.
0: And also with Atlanta, you do have the chance of guys getting better. I mentioned internal development from a Charlotte. You could have Cam Reddish get better. You could have DeAndre Hunter get better. You could have even Trey Young could continue to get better despite how great he was last season. So this Atlanta team, I'm with you. I'm just pushing back in the sense that I don't feel like they're a guarantee to get in because there's a lot of teams in that bubble in the East. They're going to fight for that seven and eight seed through a plane that, by the way, isn't that a good thing? Isn't that the point of the oh, plan yeah. to have more teams with a chance? Cause what if one of them get off to a slow start? One of them has injury issues and they surge late. I'm happy that we're able to have the conversation about the in spots at the beginning of the season. Now it's a fun little wrinkle when you're looking ahead towards the uh, NBA regular season.
3: Well, we didn't mention John Collins either who once yeah. was one of the most promising young players um, has had, had taken a step back with injury with suspension, etc. Um, but I just I, I look at it that I, I say you've added you've added a whole nother lineup to your team and you bring back Collins and Capella and Reddish and Hunter and young. And now you have added five more guys. I've added five, Galen, more, Ari, guys. I've done added five it, more guys.
0: Toronto, Dunn. Dunn, Dunn, by the way, just one thing on Chris Dunn. He was awesome defensively last year in Chicago and his offense is still not great. But his defense is legitimately awesome. And, and now I like, put him in, a, in an environment that's like trying to win a lot of games. You know, Atlanta's trying to win as much as they can. I'm excited to see what he can do in that scenario. And I'm sure Lloyd Pierce, their head coach, who's very good, is going to have gonna put him into situations where he's doing some stuff maybe he hasn't done before playing off ball. Because Young is going to dominate the ball a lot in that situation. And I, I, I and like I'm really curious to see how the, all those guys – Get integrated together from a uh, from a system standpoint because if you have Rondo, th- doesn't it seem like you're probably going to push Trey Young off ball a little bit more often than you did last year when he dominated the ball more than anybody else in the league? That's good. That's that also good. good. I'm with
3: hey, also this is a this is a, the moves I like. Flank him with big guards that can defend, and that's what they did. They went out and got two big guards that can defend so that he's not. It's not a punishment to have him out on the court defensively. You don't have to be miserable defensively. I mean, I hope I hope. <laughs> you don't have to be. You can I hide hope. him. You can I hide mean, him better than you could before. How about that?
0: teams are still going to try to find him at least of course they will. At, at least in the playoffs, if it gets to that point. But like regular season, it seems like teams don't target as much. But Trey Young himself, he's got to really step up on defense. He was awful. Just awful, just really despicably awful on defense last season, and like I'm saying that as somebody who like loved watching him offensively, like it's so fun to watch him, but the defensive aspect, he's gonna realize at some point whether it's during the regular season when they're trying to win games. Whether it comes in the playoffs, he has got to look in the mirror and say, I got to be better on defense. I got to be better. And maybe having these guys who can handle the ball around him, even a galanari, Ari, he doesn't run point for you, obviously, but he can do some stuff off the dribble for you. he can handle. He can run a pick and roll. So maybe that can help alleviate some of the pressure on Trey Young and give him some more energy to put it into his defense Because even though he's small you can still play hard. You can still hustle. You can still fight over screens. When you're on a switch against a bigger guy, you can still battle, yep. and that's where with Trey Young, like, hopefully we see that improvement this season, and that would f- make me feel a lot better about their odds, not just of like making the playoffs as a 7 or 8 out of the play-in, but in the future with what this team can be long-term. Uh, the
3: other team, so that's in the East. In the West, the Suns. You, they were on the outside looking in. They had an outstanding bubble. Thanks. We talked about this <laughs> after they were able to swing the trade for Chris Paul. But then what they've added outside of Chris Paul, I've liked. I like the Jay Crowder signing. I uh, I like re-signing Saric at a totally reasonable deal. And you know Langston Galloway's, uh, you know another guy that's at least a a real player, right? We're talking about how many guys. On your team, do you come in and I can't say that guy sucks? And they got a lot more than they used to. And I think now, you know, they're coming off what was their most promising ending to a season. And now you're going to add some real toughness with Paul and Crowder to that team. You flank a team that had some very good young players with some veterans. And I think when I'm I'm doing my playoff standings,
0: Phoenix is going to be in there. They just are. I'm with you, man. I mean, we talked about this after CP3 with what he's going to add to Devin Booker, what he's going to add to DeAndre Ayton, especially Ayton in the pick and roll, and this team bringing back Sarge, who was really good for them, is important. Uh, I think drafting Jalen Smith. I know like that pick got some heat, and them taking him at number ten. But I, I, I look at them replacing Aaron Baines with Jalen Smith. And I think what he adds as a shooter, as somebody you can... I'm, I'm excited to see what Monty Williams does with Smith as a shooter off of screens and handoffs. You can get creative with him. And having a sh- uh, two bigs, Aiton started shooting threes in the bubble. And I would expect him to come back and be better on those deep twos and, and three-point shot attempts. Having two bigs who can shoot for you and space the floor, at least be mild threats. In Aiton's case, and being a real potent threat in Jalen Smith's case gives Chris Paul and Devin Booker a lot of freedom to attack the basket for layups, drawn fouls, or kickouts for threes. This is going to be a really potent offense that's also going to be really good on defense, too, because of how much better Eaton's gone, how good Chris Paul is, how Booker's become solid, and just some of those wing defenders like Mikael Bridges, who are rock solid for you. This feels like a pretty complete overall team that can play different styles depending on one big lineups or two big lineups it's exciting looking at phoenix man like we've been we've been calling them the bright future Suns for years but like it really is true this is the oh, right now, yeah. Suns. This is a really strong team that can compete for a top four seed in the West.
3: And I like, uh, I like bringing back my guy Javon Carter. I forgot yeah, him, dude. Yeah, they, he, they brought he, him he back.
0: Busted his butt on defense, doesn't he? He
3: did. He's really good in the bubble. And mm-hmm. look, it's no picnic when Chris Paul checks out of the game, and that guy's picking you up ninety four oh, yeah, feet yeah. away from the basket. Great offseason for Phoenix. The only thing. Then I will give them a big demerit on. And I know, given coronavirus, the pandemic, and everything else, times have been tough. But yesterday, some of my media friends from Phoenix were let go, and oh, I, I just see that it news. just it breaks my heart because you have. These people have covered all these terrible teams. The team finally gets awesome. And it's the most exciting that you, the most excitement that you could have going into a season. And uh, there's been a lot of teams around the league, right? I mean, nobody, um, nobody has been immune to what has happened with, during the pandemic and certainly with the business of the NBA, but I, but I
0: hated that for some of my That's friends awful. with the sons yesterday. Mm. Um, yeah, man, like this year's just been, it's been awful for this whole industry. And it sucks, like not knowing like when, how long it'll last, you know, more layoffs possibly to come in places. It's, it's just, it sucks. There's a lot of talented people that work in that Phoenix media department there for them. And like, I know a handful of them and I don't know who got dropped or what yet, but, um, it's, it's sad. It sucks. It sucks. And fans are Mm -hmm.
3: not going to be very happy about it. I will tell you that. Um, let's get to a couple other teams, uh, two others that I wrote down that I really liked how they improved their teams. One was Portland who last year obviously made it with the play in game at the very end, uh, The Covington signing or the Covington maneuver is a great one to be able to get him. He is perfect and exactly what they need. He is a perfect fit because last year, you know, they had to roll in there with Carmelo. Ariza didn't, you know, play at the bubble. And so they had Carmelo Anthony. But you think about what they need on that wing and what could be successful. Covington, I think, is a perfect fit with those guys. And then I've always liked Derek Jones Jr., As an energy guy that comes off the bench really long, he can help you flip some games. And they got him on a good deal. And then bring him back Enos Cantor. Cantor is a guy that, you know, you know, it's once a week. You look up and across the bottom line it says Enos Cantor had 18 points and 17 rebounds. I know that when you get to playoff time, the whole can't play Cantor. (laughs) Can't play (laughs) Cantor. But but he is a guy during the regular season that can also help you flip some games. And so I and they didn't lose anything. And so adding Covington to that roster uh, along with two other bench guys that I do think are kind of these guys can help you flip a game guys. I liked what Portland did. I'm not going to go over the moon for it, but I did like
0: it. Yeah, I, I liked what Portland did based off the potential acquisitions they could have had via trade. Or free agency. I like what they did. Am I, you know, falling head over heels for this team now? And, like, talking about them as, like, the top four team in the West? No, I am not doing that. I still look at the Lakers. I still look at the Nuggets, the Clippers, and now the Mavericks, to me, are their team that put, will push themselves up into the upper echelon in the West. Like, I think Nuggets, Clippers, Mavericks are in a, a group of their own. P- Portland, to me, still isn't in that group. Robert Covington, let's, let's be real here. He's a very, very, very good player. And he adds a lot to that team with his defensive abilities off the ball on ball. He is good. Not great. Offensively. He is a solid shooter, not a great shooter. He, he, he's a good player who's moved around teams in recent years because he's good. Not great. And for Portland, yeah. it's what they needed. It's probably the best guy they could have added to help in that role. A wing defender who can defend a LeBron, who could defend a Kawhi Leonard, who's going to be needed in that Luca matchup, right? They had a good off season, but like, I'm not like I feel like some of the 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 praise for them is a bit has been a bit over the top. Derek Jones Jr. couldn't even get minutes from Miami in their playoff run. I I just, I just feel like it's being a bit overblown, and for Portland fans, it's a encouraging encouraging positive additions. But there's still more ways for this team to grow and get better for them to actually be able to push through and maybe upset one of those favorites in the West.
3: Why why are you vaulting? Dallas up there I am confused because you know that Porzingis has got this huge injury thing that's hanging out there they clearly kind of decided okay our free agency money will be for next year they only added Willie Cauley Stein I mean why, why are we vaulting them up
0: I think you gotta look at what Luca does does he improve further I think or better you, than
3: what he was. I, I mean, that's going to I be all right. I don't,
0: I don't think it's unreasonable. It was only his second season. <laughs> it's only the second season. He can become more potent as a shooter. Will he? I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I, I, I know and would predict that's a priority for him over the offseason. And I would expect some level of improvement from him over the course of the season. I think they also had a really good draft. I think they had a really good draft, and they and that night they got added Josh Richardson. They didn't add anybody in free agency besides Willie Colley sign, but trading for Josh Richardson, he's a very positive addition for them in the same way Robert Covington is for the Blazers. Richardson, not great, but good. He's a very good on-ball defender, not great like Covington, to be fair. Not a great shooter like Covington, but good. He can do a little bit more off the dribble for you than, than Covington can for Portland. To me, that— acquisition has been overlooked because it happened on draft night. It happened on draft night and it didn't get the, the eyeballs on it. Cause it was the same night. LaMelo wall goes to Charlotte. The same night, the same night.
3: People didn't care. He's like, yeah, but
0: but like Covington is like basically the same level player.
3: No, 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 no. Are you sure? No, Robert Covington won them a playoff series, literally won them a playoff series. Maybe i am i am Covington.
0: Maybe I'm underrating him. I mean what do you have
3: seven threes and he was locking everybody down and grabbing rebounds? I mean he was there for it my my opinion Maybe of I'm Covington underrating him.
0: my opinion of Covington went up
3: dramatically. I look at Josh Richardson and I say, okay, oh, they got Tim Hardaway Jr. What's the difference?
0: seriously, uh, seriously It's really like not he can defend at a high level hardaway can't that's a big difference It's a big difference. It's a big
3: difference. Those two players are in the same tier. They just are,
0: yeah. Because Hardaway is better offensively than Richardson, but Richardson's way better defensively, which is what they needed when there yeah. were situations in the postseason on a switch. They had Seth Curry defending Kawhi Leonard, but there is, but there is the Porzingis thing. Like I know, I, mean, I do. That's my. I I've been on that for years since before we got traded by the Knicks. But like, you just put him, him as a. Can't, we don't. Can you, know you when trust gonna, him? I don't know if you can trust him. But you but but just put him as on, a top
3: four seed, and we don't even know if he's going to play or when he's going to well, play. We'll see
0: what happens. But all I'm saying is that they had a huge draft night getting Richardson, drafting the guys that they did, Josh Green, Tyrell Terry. Those two guys up top, to me, I look at them, and they had a big-time draft night. Additionally, also drafting Tyler Bay in the second round. Not sure how much I'll play, but Tyler Bay is another really good prospect. First round, in my mind, fell to the second. Two guys, Tyrell Terry, Tyler Bay, both guys that were deserving of going in the first round, particularly Terry. In addition to getting Josh Green as well, a guy from Arizona who's ready to come in and likely contribute right away. To me, they bolstered their entire roster, and I think that's going to show early on in the season when you see the lineups Carlisle puts on the floor.
3: Toughness wise, I certainly like what the Pelicans did bringing in Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. I think Adams is absolutely perfect. You know what they've got. They've got Zion. They've got Ingram. You want a guy that's just going to go in there, man the five, do the dirty work, grab rebounds. Uh, always, He's always directing traffic while he's there. I mean, he's just a solid player. They didn't overpay, I don't think, badly for it. And if I'm trying to, if I've got a bunch of good young talent, much like how I was talking about, you know, flanking the guys in Phoenix, I want these older veterans I can count on that bring toughness, work ethic to the team that they can teach and help mold these young players. And I do think that having Adams there is going to be of great benefit. And then we'll see on the Bledsoe thing. But Bledsoe, I I do think that Bledsoe, he's gotten a little beat up. You know what I mean? Like, he's not – people. he's one of those guys that people talk about what he isn't rather than what he is all the time, right? Nobody ever talks about what's good about Eric Bledsoe. They talk about what's bad about Eric Bledsoe. And I don't need this guy to be shooting and scoring for me, Right? I need him he's to gotta, defend. He's going to be a
0: threat to shoot, and he's not.
3: Does he though? With Zion and Ingram, and I mean, <laughs> yeah, <does he? laughs>
0: especially with Zion Williamson, you need to have threats on the floor to shoot. Eric Bledsoe is not part of their long term future. I'm really like no, he's just not. He's not. I, he's not he's part not. of their long
3: term. I'm talking about in the short term, bringing sure. in tough veterans. You know yeah, that are that I mean, are not, nice.
0: that are not used to losing. I'm curious to see how it's going to look with Stephen Adams because Stephen Adams. Two thoughts there. With Steven Adams, he's an interior big man, and he's somebody who has that toughness. How does it look with Zion and Steven Adams, two guys that won't be shooting a lot of threes? We'll see how Zion shots develop, but to me, he's more of the interior guy. You'd preferably have a stretch-shooting big man flanked next to him. With that said, we've seen Steven Steve Adams for a couple of years now flash <laughs> shooting the quarter three, and also it's something he practices before games will Will the Pelicans try to have him do that more often to increase spacing? I don't know. We'll find out soon once the season begins, but it's going to be really interesting to see how this team looks. And by the way, Ingram hasn't been signed yet. I mean, they, they yeah. are going to eventually get him. It just depends on the dollar amount. Will it be a max, which is what he wants, or will it be less than a max, which naturally the Pelicans would probably want to give him?
3: They, I think the rebounding numbers are going to get freaky. Seriously. Because oh, yeah, that's yeah. one
0: thing about Adams. Even if he doesn't get the
3: rebound, he boxes out he boxes out everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? On every possession. Oh, and when you got dude. Zion next to him, try oh, get good oh, luck.
0: Oh, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> Bro,
3: good good luck trying to get the ball.
0: <laughs> uh, and that's another thought, part about like are they gonna crash the offensive boards more than anybody in the league? Yes. Like are they gonna constantly try to get second yes. possessions, you know, second chance opportunities? I would imagine you you would. Are you gonna really have that team with those big bodies? Run back on defense for transition. You're going to crash the boards. I think you're going to crash the boards of that team. They could be different. They could be uh, like zigging while everybody's zagging with two bigs like that. So we
3: talked about some of the teams that we thought improved. Let's
0: get to some of the extremely puzzling
3: things that have taken place. Now, you tell me, you walk me through this because I'm sure you're well-versed in this. What happened with the Gordon Hayward thing? Because... That felt like that really came out of nowhere. I think the basketball world collectively, when we saw the Gordon Hayward number and the team, went, what in the hell? By the way, shout out to Mark Bartlestein, who we talked about last week. Always getting guys. Yeah, but this is two off seasons in a row that Danny Ainge, you know, he lost Kyrie Irving. He got nothing to show for it. He lost Gordon Hayward. He's got nothing to show for it. Like these free agents have just... Yeah, at, at least that was, at least that was a move, you know. But really, yeah, you're right. Nothing to show for it. Um, what happened with Hayward? And what do you make of what's taken place the last couple of mm-hmm. off seasons, where you would think that maybe with these great players you could pull off a sign and trade or something, have something to show for these guys that were in tow, and you ended up with nothing to show for it.
0: My understanding is that Indiana was offering somewhere around four years, a hundred million, maybe up to hundred and ten million for Hayward, and Boston and Indiana were obviously negotiating a trade return, something with Miles Turner and maybe Aaron Holiday on top of that. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, and I think I, I, I don't know if Charlotte just came over the top with a, a wealthier offer and Hayward just signed it and took it and said, forget Indiana, you know, I'm not going to bother with, you know, this back and forth. Or if it's the type of thing where Boston just didn't want to take Miles Turner, because I I don't think Boston likes Miles Turner that much. Mm. So they'd be getting a guy that's getting paid $18 million who they don't really care for too much. And they'd probably be looking to flip immediately. To me, I think Boston may have botched the fact that they let an asset go for nothing without getting turner back because other teams would have loved to trade for miles turner so for them maybe it's maybe they just would prefer that but i'd be willing to bet that they just botched this and they should have taken the deal sooner instead of haggling back the forth which gave charlotte time to actually make that offer and go over the top to get what do we Gordon think about Hayward. charlotte's angle in this i mean they're trying to compete get get a get playoff seed same thing as atlanta there's pressure on them michael jordan wants to win 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 and get win to the level you're at least in the playoffs win to the point you're in the finals i'm not so sure about that um but gordon hayward this um this is gonna make them look competent you know it's like if you're building around Lamelo ball and pj washington and you got these young guys with gordon hayward they're gonna look good I but aren't these the fun, moves that you hate? These are the moves to the middle. Dude, I mean, I've 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 bashed Charlotte for years. All they do is make moves to go to the middle. It's all they do, and it's frustrating. And I would just hope, if you're a Hornets fan, like I would hope that this is a sign that, like, hey, this is four years of being competitive. Make yourself look like a competent, you know, place to develop the mellow ball, and then you actually make additions with the intentions of competing for a championship. That's what I would hope. But you know, their pasts would prove otherwise. That that hasn't been the priority. The priority has only been getting in the postseason, not necessarily competing for a championship, but being a solid team, and that's it. That's that, and that's where like I look at this, and I'm like, eh. eh I mean, it's yeah. okay, it's okay. But the thing is, man, Gordon Hayward's not worth that money. Let's be honest here. Let's just be honest. Gordon Hayward, the last three years since he suffered that unfortunate injury in Boston, has not been close to the same guy because he hasn't. Been able to attack the basket with the same ferocity that he did in Utah. He doesn't draw as many fouls. He doesn't finish as well. Gordon Hayward is not the same guy. He can still contribute for you. He can still be a solid player. We saw some of the flashes of what he His did. His last
3: three months were pretty spectacular. Well, Jan- yeah.
0: January and February before he got hurt again and before the hiatus in March, he would look a lot closer to himself at that point than he ever has since the injury happened. January and February, Gordon Hayward looked a lot like Gordon Hayward, the all-star in Utah that signed a max deal with Boston in 2017. If Charlotte's getting that guy for a full season, for a full four years, max contracts, yeah. it's a different story. Will yep. they get that guy similar to you bringing up Chris Steps and his injury concerns for Dallas? Hayward hasn't been able to stay healthy, has yeah, he? I mean, it's always something. A, it's always no, something.
3: he's really good. Um, He's a really good basketball player. He's a very good team basketball player. The question is, how good can you be when are these like the old Utah teams, right? What's the limit of a team with Gordon Hayward as the best player? I don't know.
0: I mean, I don't think I don't think this team has any championship aspirations over the next four years. <laughs> I don't think so either. No, and I'm not saying that as like a knock on them. They have Lamelo Ball, who's a rookie, PJ Washington, is a second year player, Devonte Graham, who's still super super young. They this team isn't ready to talk about championships yet. Maybe by year three, year four of that Hayward contract, you can build towards that. Lamelo gets really good, really fast. But uh, those are things we just don't know. And and I would expect this to be a very average team over the next four years that's competing for like the sixth or fifth seed in the East at best. But and at least just, you know at it, least
3: it's not a team that when you look at the schedule, you go win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. and they have they have been that team for
0: quite some time. I would just hope if I'm a Charlotte fan that this isn't just a move that keeps them on the just keeps him in the middle, man. Yep. Yeah, They've right. been in the middle for years, and this feels like that type of move, but hopefully it's a stepping stone, an investment into the future to get somebody else that's better and that can actually help you win a championship at some point.
3: Let's get to another one that it was super confusing, which was the Jeremy Grant signing in Detroit. Like everything with Detroit, you sit there and you go, All right, is there more to come? Is this all is there a method to this madness? Because you saw that slew of centers, and we, we goofed about that, you know, whether it was the draft or the beginning of free agency with Plumlee and Okafor and whatever else. And, and then this Jeremy Grant signing comes out. Christian Wood goes to Houston, and then they signed Jeremy Grant on a $60 million deal. Um, he played so well during the playoffs that I think he priced himself out for Denver. You know, because
0: this is a loss for Denver. There's no way around by, that. By the way, I, there was a report this week that Denver matched that offer, and he chose to leave wow. for a greater offensive workload. Wow. That, that was the report. Okay. Well, you certainly weren't expected to
3: have to pay him that anyway. No, and then no. and then his performance in the bubble and then the, the playoffs priced himself out. And I I don't understand what's going on in Detroit. I really don't. Like, I don't know if this is all... Is there a Griffin deal that's going to be on the horizon? Are you winning now? Are you not winning now? Like the Jeremy Grant thing, it's so hard to figure out what they're doing. And Troy Weaver and Ed Stefanski and everyone, like there are moves that feel like it's two different front offices. But do you think we're going to come out on the other end? And look, there was a method to this madness with the contracts that were attained and whatever else, or is this just as bizarre as it feels? (laughs) Uh,
0: I mean, I think the short answer is, I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. because I, I think we get to see this develop over the course of the year. Maybe the plan is, or the hope is to trade Blake Griffin to a contender. And then you get off that contract. It opens up some minutes for big man to play. You drafted Isaiah Stewart with the 16th pick. Maybe that's the situation there for them, but it's certainly weird that they added all of these bigs, all of these bigs. They did everything they can, but bring back Christian Wood, who signed with Houston, who I think is one of the most underrated free agents in this class. And is going to be a huge addition for the Rockets. It's it's a bit weird to me, and I, and I wonder, I wonder if they had an indication that he was indeed going to leave. If he huh. was gonna leave, though, um, but still, it's, not, it's it's not like he they it's not like he signed for significantly more than what they could have given him. Mm-hmm. So I don't I'm not sure with Detroit man. I thought they had a nice draft. They got my number one prospect, Killian Hayes. Yep, they got Isaiah Stewart, and they got Sadiq Bay all in the first round. Pretty Sadiq. good draft, if to be <laughs> yeah, asked me. And then the free agency, it's like, huh? Is this like two different people? Like one's doing the draft, one's doing free agency. It's pretty weird. It's pretty yes. weird what happened for Charlotte for uh, for yeah. Detroit. Good luck, Dwayne Casey. Um, another can one. Get, can we get back to Boston real quick? Yeah, sure. We, I want to get back to them because like, I feel like losing Gordon Hayward, when that first happened, I, I was initially thinking they screwed this up big time, not taking back Miles Turner, and maybe they did. But I do think there was some logic to what they did in that by letting Gordon Hayward walk, it did open up the full Non-taxpayer mid-level exception to sign Tristan Thompson, and they added Jeff Teague. Would you rather have Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague, or Miles Turner and whatever other player you get? Maybe Doug McDermott from Indiana. To me, like it's it's pretty close. Yeah, with what you might want between those two, and if you get Thompson, you have a little bit more flexibility and and potential moves moving forward. I'm not sure I would have done it. I probably would have leaned on the Miles Turner side, but my understanding is that front office isn't that high on Turner because Turner, like we've talked about him a bunch, he can't defend Joel Embiid. He gets bullied. He gets pushed around. You know, Miles my- Turner might look big is, you know, you know, seven feet, long arms. You know, he's heavy, but he gets pushed around by true bigs like Embiid. So, like, what where's the value there in that matchup? I don't mind. I don't. I, and I don't
3: mind Jeff Teague as a.
0: As a backup yeah. point guard, he's a gamer. He's a solid, yeah, he's a solid yeah. player. He's a solid you know player. I mean, I, mean I, I think I think losing Gordon Hayward is is disappointing. You know, because you you lose a lot by not having him on your team in the present. It, your ceiling isn't as high without Hayward. Put it That's that a, way. Your no, ceiling no, they, isn't as high. The, the Boston got worse. There's no way around that. But he's been lapped by Tatum and Brown. No, no, no. For but that they got worse. Yeah. They did get worse. Their team's not it, as good as it was. 100%. And, and, and I think they, probably, they should have taken that offer from Indiana. But when they followed up with Tristan Thompson, who I really, really like, I was like, okay, I sort of get what they were going for here. Because if they did take that Turner deal, they wouldn't have been able to offer the non-taxpayer mid-level exception to Thompson, which means they wouldn't have Tristan Thompson. So I kind of got it. After the next day, when they signed those guys, when initially I was like, this is stupid. What are they thinking here? They've botched this. But the next day with Thompson and Teague made me kind of understand the logic there and doing it. And, you know, plus I'm sure a small part of it was you'd probably rather have Gordon Hayward go to Charlotte than go to Indiana, who's a competitor in the East. Cause had Indiana got Hayward, if you looked at the five man lineup they could have had, you know, with Sabonis, with Hayward. With Oladipo, with Brogdon, with Warren, that's a pretty formidable five-man unit there that you'd be helping create maybe a second-tier contender underneath the Bucks. Do you look at
3: it as a 100% sure thing that Thompson plays over Tice? Um, I think you're going to see two different
0: types of lineups. You're going to see okay. the, the shooting lineup, and then you're going to see the rim-running lineup with Thompson. I like Tice. I like Tice, too. And I think that's part of it. You know, Turner making $18 million Versus Tice making $5 million. I'm sure Boston looked at that and said, yes, Turner might be a better player. But how much more is he offering? Is it $13 million more than what Tice is giving you? Because the salary aspect needs to be taken into consideration. Look, I, I, I hope Miles Turner is able to get tougher against mm-hmm. some of those bigs. He's going to get tougher on the boards. He averaged like six a game last year. I, I like Turner. I don't love Turner. And Turner needs to start doing some things to make me love him. And that includes being a lot tougher. In those matchups against bigs on the post, so Embiid's not pummeling you. He's got to get tougher on the boards, boxing out, fighting for rebounds. And Indiana—that's one reason why, like they're not like you know doing jumping jacks, having this young combination with Sabonis and Turner and all the promise that they could mm. have together. There's a reason why they would consider moving Turner, and it's because of his flaws. And so with Indiana now, I wonder what are they going to do with Miles Turner, or is there another team to flip him to at some point out there? Is that option out there, or is there a limited amount of interest in him? Because for a player like with the name Miles Turner, top high school recruit, lottery prospect, lottery draft pick, you would have expected somebody, there'd be a, a line of people trying to trade for him, but that's just not the case.
1: This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy.
3: Level up your next four-wheeled adventure with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder, built to navigate you to some of Earth's most awe-inspiring spots with seven drive modes and all the power you need. Get the thrill of the drive in every moment of your journey with the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
2: This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20 for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
3: Let's get to some of the moves that the best teams made. Um... I will tell you that when I saw the Marcus Morris 464,
0: oh boy, At, thir-
3: at 31 years of age, I was like, "Wait, what?" And then the br- and then his twin got a minimum deal? Like, yeah. what? what is going oh, oh. on here?
0: <laughs> That's pretty unbelievable, isn't it? How did one guy get That's 64 million and the other got a minimum deal? Right, Marcus Morris is better, but I don't know about that much better. (laughs) $64 million better. I mean, Oh my
3: good grief. And he's 31. Like I look at some of these and I say at the end of the, at the end of the, the contract, what are these contracts going to look like? And there's a couple of them. The Marcus Morris one, you could foresee a circumstance where that looks really bad. I'll tell you this. And, and we, I predicted this, when we went to the OC. that Bertrand's contract is going to look terrible, <laughs> just terrible. Eighty million bucks—like you got to be kidding me! At the end of that contract, that is going to look so bad because he's no—he's no spring chicken. And I know that they wanted to keep him in tow there, but this guy got what—he's uh, twenty-eight years old, and five-year he got,
0: deal, eighty million.
3: Yeah, like that's going to look so bad. That—that—that that has a that has Batum written all over it, right? Which is, it's nice to have him at the time and you're going to get him for a couple of good years and then those last couple of years are just going to hamstring you. It's going to be so bad. Um, So that one stood out to me as a, oh my goodness. And then obviously that, just the Marcus Morris, just the sheer number of that four and 64 at age 31. Typically, unless you're an outstanding player, you usually don't get that kind of money.
0: Yeah, I mean, with the Clippers, He's at good. least they added they at least they added Serge Ibaka as yes. a replacement for Montrezl Harrell. That is an upgrade for them. Well, we'll talk about the Lakers in a minute, but um, with the Clippers adding Ibaka as a replacement for Harrell helps. Yes. and the shooting that he can provide in addition to the rim running and the defense and all that.
3: Uh, look, they Montrez Harrell. This one is important because this is the whole L.A. scene where he moves over to the other team, and then to read his comments after it. He said, they didn't want me. He said, they didn't even, they didn't, they didn't, want, they didn't want me. They didn't want nope. me there, right? They were ready to move on. But here's the thing, Kev, and this is why this whole situation is incredibly fascinating. Because in the midst of all of this, it starts to seep out. Like, you're thinking, why would they get rid of Montres Harrell? This guy just won six man of the year. It's really the same. It's six or one half dozen contract-wise with him and Ibaka. And you can have your opinions on the two players. but why, why wouldn't you keep it together? And we always wondered, like, what the hell happened with this team? Chemistry. And the, but did you see the story that came out of after this? And you know where they were? It, it, it kind of there was a throwback to this athletic article about like kind of what happened with the Clippers and saying that uh, the holdovers like Harold, Lou, Will, uh, Pat Bev that there were there was some bristling, and I had not heard this before okay bristling that Kawhi Leonard could play whenever he wanted lived in San Diego uh, and which made flights late regularly and that he could dictate whenever Doc was going to pull him out of the game he could dictate his own minutes and that these guys that were the holdovers that have been there they didn't like the preferential treatment right like that this was the cost of doing business and getting this but this is this is a big big deal Right, Because we sat there and we watched that team absolutely implode that when some pressure was put on them, they all caved. Because behind the scenes, obviously, they weren't all on the same page. And there was resentment within those quarters. But this whole Kawhi living in San Diego, playing whenever he wants to play, all this, I didn't know about this, did you?
0: This is wild. For for this Clippers team... They are in a situation here where Ibaka is better than Harold and hopefully chemistry improves. But there's still some of those guys in the locker room with lingering chemistry problems, like Lou Will, Patrick Beverly, like you said. But they that need to. Makes I- sense, they, they, but but they, it? They, they, yes, they need to iron things out with Kawhi and with Paul George and get this right because this is still a finals contender on paper. Can we agree on that? Yes. Do we agree? It's still a finals contender, but you're not going to win the finals with. Serious chemistry issues compared to the competition.
3: Well, I tell you this: if I'm sitting on a plane and I, we're just waiting on one guy because he lives in San Diego, I'd be madder than hell too.
0: Yeah, I, you know what I mean? mean. Yeah, I mean we'll see how it works out over the course of the season. Maybe they fire back, and maybe they come back motivated. Maybe you know, maybe that's a big part of it. But ultimately, man, like not wanting Montrose Harold back, the guy that's had a lot of success with Lou Williams. Yeah, I'm sure that doesn't make Lou Will feel great either. No. about that. Even if you go into training camp and you fall in love with Ibaka, it's still probably something lingering in your mind. And and that's why with the Lakers, man, I think the Lakers were the winners of the offseason.
3: Oh, God. And, and, and when you compare it to what they did, if we were talking about this was an arms race with the Clippers and the and the Lakers, it was an arms race a year ago. And they're the ones that landed Kawhi Leonard and and Paul George. Right. Where the Lakers were once the team that wanted those. And we thought and they're doing the whole we are L.A.'s team and all that crap. And then the Lakers go ahead and win the title this offseason. This has been no, this has been great for the Lakers and LA. for the Clippers. I mean-
0: you not only add the guy who won sixth man of the year from your inner city rival, yes. the Clippers, Montrose Hill. You had the guy who finished second in sixth man of the year voting, Dennis Schroeder, who is an upgrade from Rajon Rondo. Rondo, very good in the bubble. But there's good reason why Lakers fans did not want him getting in any minutes after two regular seasons because he was not good. He shot well in the bubble, but Schroeder is a better player, period. So you upgrade there. Not to mention, you bring back, you bring back, yeah, uh, you bring back a Marquise Morris on a minimum. You get Wesley Matthews to replace Danny Green, and then you get your guy,
3: Marcus Gasol,
0: as an upgrade over Dwight Howard, and as an upgrade over Javale McGee because of the shooting and playmaking and just overall presence on defense. Not the same guy, but he is an upgrade for them at the center position next to Anthony Davis. The Lakers got better. They are going to be my pick to win the NBA finals again. I picked them last year. Going to pick them again to win in 2021 and go back to back. It's hard to see a team in the West matching them.
3: Well, look, before before I get into the Gasol stuff, look at you. You mentioned the Morris stuff down the street. They paid a Morris 64 million. You got yours back on the minimum. Well, I mean, Marcus, like- <laughs> Morris is,
0: Marcus Morris is better than Markeith Morris, but is it, a, is it like a $63 million difference? No, it's not.
3: not. (laughs) No, one of them got the bit of a, and so that Lakers team. We said last year that that was the scary thing. This is probably the worst roster they're going to have with those two. Now, that being said, um, the Marcus All thing. We had the show on Friday, and I said, I'll burn all the jerseys. There's no way he's going there. I laid out all of the reasons, and I forgot something insanely important, probably the most important, which is. Powell lives there. Powell's lived there after his career. Powell just had his first kid, so Mark now can go to L.A. I told you he's got the three young kids, I, and I also told you one of the reasons I said I didn't think he would do it is because family is so important. In fact, he's doing this because family is so important, and so this is certainly my fault for not acknowledging the whole Powell angle to this. But Powell, who by the way, child named after. Um, Kobe Bryant. Mm. And so they moved out to, um, so now Mark gets to move that operation and all the Gasols can, and the kids can all be there together. Meanwhile, he gets to play for a title again, right? There's no way around that. He does. But, but I promise you this, I promise you this. If Powell didn't live in LA, Mark wouldn't be in
0: LA. Well, and I'll add one other thing though with him. Also, it probably beats having to move to Tampa because yes. Toronto has to start the season in Tampa, Florida, uh, Tampa Bay. So, you know, for him, it would have been a move either way. You're not staying in Toronto. You're not staying there. You're not staying with the Raptors facilities, which are terrific uh, up there. So for him, it's like, I have to move anyway. Maybe I'll move to where my brother is in L.A. So they for are him, maybe close, it some there.
3: Like they are. It's not like it's not like sometimes where, you know, I, I don't know. Like it, it, I, I all I can tell you is they are brothers who are very very close brothers like best friend type yeah, brothers yeah. right yeah. and so i think that will be i'm happy for him man you know what i mean like look i don't i don't like that he's going to be wearing a laker uniform i can't deny that dude there's a silver lining that when the lakers come to memphis there's not going to be any fans in the stands anyway <laughs> So I don't have to worry about Laker fans cheering when Marcus Gasol hits a three or something like that. It's obviously a great signing for the Lakers, but I'm happy for him, right? And obviously when I was laying out the entire reason as to why I didn't think he'd do it, I, I, I left out completely the whole Powell lives there, Powell just had his first kid, they can all be together. Because I'll bet you a dime to a donut, that's 100% the reason why Mark's making this decision.
0: One thing to add though, it was a two year deal, Chris. So for the 2021 22 season,
3: no, he could be
0: back. He I'm could taking off back, that but... night.
3: I'm taking off that <laughs> night. <laughs> hey, hey,
0: hey, hey, Sasha, uh, you uh, made a passionate case uh, to uh, mark a soul uh, to go to LA on, on Friday show. Do you want to take your victory lap right here?
2: I'd just like to say thank you to Mark. And I'm sorry to Chris.
3: They need to put, they need to put Pau's number in this, in the rafters now.
2: And I'd like to take full and complete credit for everything that has occurred. (laughs) Ah,
3: Perfect. Look, look, somebody said, uh, they're talking to me about sending me a Marcus all Lakers Jersey. Y'all can, y'all can save that. I promise you that, but, um, you know, look, I, I, the, the thing that bothers me, this is the thing that bothers me about it. All right, if uh, let's just let's just lay it all out there. This is what bothers me about it because you're gonna get the LA fans, and I already got them. Right? Make no mistake. As I said, his brother's there. His brother had, uh, has an infant. All the kids. Mark's got three little ones. Now the kids all get to be together. Family is intensely important to him, so he's moving out to LA. Okay. Um, the Laker fans get to do their whole superiority complex oh yeah he warmed up for 12 years in memphis and toronto until he gets to the big time yeah that's the kind of who's, way they think who's
0: saying that though Oh
3: god there. everybody thinks that everybody- I, I, I
0: haven't seen that anywhere but oh, that's oh, okay for goodness,
3: you know that there is a big team little team complex in the nba I know, anyway. but i just
0: haven't i haven't seen any comments like well, that with marcus You wouldn't. You're Kevin Nori. Are you like are you are you like searching them out? Are you like googling Marcus on the Sick to me, you dumbass. (laughs) I'm crying. Vernon. They get sent to me. I'm Chris Vernon. What are
3: you talking about? I'm the king of Memphis. What are you talking about? So of course, no, it's the big market, small market, superiority. I'm the the most famous man in America. Golf
0: Digest featured. That's right. I'm on Golf Digest for God's sake. Now look, here's what I'll tell you. Make no mistake, (laughs) Laker fans. It has
3: nothing to do with your basketball team or your city or your rings or your statues. His brother's there. If his brother would have been in Milwaukee, be in Milwaukee. So save it already. All right. Now. Wow.
0: Wow. Or or maybe he wanted to go to the favorite and win a championship and live with his brother.
3: He already got a title. All right. Uh, uh,
0: the The next one's always the best one.
3: No, it's not. Yes, it is. That's ridiculous. What do you know about winning titles?
0: Uh, let's get to, I grew up a Patriots fan. I grew up a Boston sports fan. Cause I know a lot about winning championships. Trust me. It feels good. Uh, all right, let's get to another really good team that had a lot of
3: stress going into this, which was the Milwaukee bucks. The whole Bogdanovich thing got botched badly. Now they were in the, they're really buying the eight ball trying to build around Giannis and wanted to get him to sign his long-term contract. Tory Craig, DJ Augustine, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis. Those are guys that they have. Mm, oh, you yawning. Action. I yeah. like the Bobby Portis. Oh, that's
0: kind of a snore, but. I like the Bobby Portis. <laughs> uh, you it's okay. I Tory mean, Craig's did... versatile. Uh, I mean, they did okay. They did okay. And obviously, Andrew Holiday, we got to throw that in there. And obviously drew holiday. I mean, drew, I'm saying after drew holiday, drew holiday is a definitive win. No, They're off season. Do you think they got better? Do you
3: like this Bucks yeah. roster better?
0: Yeah, they got, they got better. Cause they had a drew holiday, but I mean, you know, like it's unfortunate. They got screwed. They got yeah. screwed out of Bogdanovich. They and didn't get
3: screwed. They, they, they screwed that yeah,
0: up. I know like the, whatever, everybody tampers. Yep. Everybody tampers and they tampered harder than everybody else. And they got punished for it. Um, but, you know, they did fine. They did fine. DJ Augustine's an okay player. Connaughton is is okay. Uh, they did okay. Like, I, there's no complaints here. And I think for them, they did the best that they could after losing out on Bogdanovich, and maybe in the end this will work out better. Maybe Dante DiVincenzo makes a leap this year with more opportunity, and he's like a, you know, a lesser version of Bogdanovich. Maybe that works out perfectly fine for them. It's just disappointing. You know, because that night with Drew Holiday and Bogdan Bogdanovich, with, with what it seemed like they would be. Um, they're not going to be that anymore, but still, they still got better because despite that whole fiasco, they still got drew holiday, which is exactly what they needed. So like I, I yawn, you know, at, at what they did afterwards, but that's almost just more of a reaction to my disappointment with how everything unfolded. Ultimately though, getting drew holiday still makes them one of the winners of the offseason and certainly bolsters their odds to win the NBA finals. And you like Tory Craig. Yeah, Torrey Craig's a fine player. Solid. Very the solid. Lakers, and, if the Lakers signed him, you'd think it was the best signing ever. I mean, Torrey Craig's okay. Torrey Craig is like a guy who plays really good defense for you. And and ultimately, I think there's uh, there's one good reason why. Like, he doesn't play more than 20 minutes per game because he's not a threat to shoot. He's just not a threat to shoot. And, and and, and like, ultimately, those guys can sometimes hurt you in the playoffs. And that's what I think about with their signings. I don't view it over the lens of a 72-game regular season. I view it, how does this guy help them win an NBA Finals? Drew Holiday helps you win a Finals. I'm not sure any of those other guys do. All
3: right, let me ask you a very important question uh, because the team that had the worst record in the NBA last year was the Golden State Warriors. Um, It makes you absolutely sick to your stomach to see that Clay Thompson news. Um, But they had to plan in conjunction with that news. Do you look at Golden State as they are constructed now and say you have to slot them in as a playoff team? Yeah, they're a playoff team. Just based on yeah.
0: Curry, Draymond. Oubre. Wiggins. <laughs> Wiggins. Yeah, they're a, they're a playoff team. I think Steph Curry is probably going to have a ridiculous season. Okay. I'd I'd be surprised if Golden State's not Wiseman, in the postseason. Wiseman, we didn't mention Wiseman. Wiseman. Too. But 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 with that said though, to your point, Chris, I think they're fighting for one. To your point, Lakers just going from the top of the standings from yes, last year. Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets. You know, we'll see if they make a trade. You know, with Harden or Westbrook, I, I they're going to go into the year if they have those guys, they'll be a playoff team. OKC, okay, they'll fall out. That's the only one though. They'll fall they out. for sure. Utah is going to be in the playoff conversation. Dallas will be, as we discussed earlier. Portland will be. Phoenix is going to enter that. Memphis, I mean, you guys are probably still in that bubble right now. Which Pelicans is too? Fair. Pelicans on that bubble too. I, I would put Warriors above that bubble level, and to me, I would expect them to get a top seven seed. But if they're that seven seed, they're still in the plan which means they could always fall out. But but I still think Steph Curry is so great so ridiculously awesome and that can he can score 30 points per game for you if you need him to and you have enough other contrib- contributors on that roster where you're going to be a playoff team but they aren't I think I think there is a chance they're not that good. Well they I go did. from they go from finals contender in my eyes with Clay to you know middle seed in the west or possibly in the play- they're, they're definitely not a guarantee, but I'd have them in there. You have Steph Curry, man. Steph Curry's a two-time MVP for good reason. I know those teams are different, but Curry is a top five player in the league, and I don't see how I, having him on your team prevents you – I don't, I don't see really, he how you, has I, to carry I,
3: I, them, though. He has he, to carry he, them. Yeah,
0: he he has to. And I, they have some good supporting pieces. But, you know, Steve Kerr mentioned in the past that he doesn't want to, like, play, like, the Houston Rockets, you know, pick and roll every possession with Steph Curry, like the Rockets did with Harden and, and Westbrook or Harden and Chris Paul. But you are going to have to do a little bit more with Curry than maybe in the past. And so I'm curious to see how does Steve Kerr adapt here? Does he funnel the ball to Steph more often? Or do they continue to run the same system and, you know, not do so much of that, but you are going to have to funnel the ball to Steph more and get him more points, more shots, more opportunities to score. Cause if you do that to me, like you're still a playoff team, there's too much talent on that team, but they aren't anywhere near what they could have been with clay. I put them in the fighting
3: class. I do. I put them in that group that's going to be fight uh, more seven. And when I say that, I'm talking about who's going to end up seven, eight, nine, ten, right? I put them in that class more than the solidly. I think that's a playoff team for sure. I, I I'd put
0: them like in the five to nine class. Like I still think they can get the five seed. Uh, about you know, or even the four, possibly. I'd still put them there. Ultimately, though, like with this team, what's saddest to me is the fact that. Clay Thompson's going to come back. He He can shoot, you know, the hell out of the ball the day after he has surgery. He can shoot the hell out of it day one. But will he ever be able to come back and be the same level defensive player that he was prior to his ACL injury last year? Will he ever be that same level defensive player? That's going to be the big question for him coming back from this Achilles injury. We touched on it uh, the other night, you know, talking about Wesley Matthews, you know, coming back. He's eventually become a very good defender. It took some time, so Clay comes back some point, you know, next year, maybe middle of the season. That's a challenge in and of itself coming back during the season. Is this two wasted years of the primes of Steph Curry? And Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. And then you're coming back in 2022-23 with all these guys are like nearing their mid-30s or in their mid-30s. I mean, I I hate to say it, but that injury is... It really changes the title landscape. It really does. Not just this year, but the next couple years too.
3: Let me ask you this. Are Oklahoma City and San Antonio the only ones that are not competing for a playoff spot and frankly is oklahoma city the only one i mean san antonio is going to be in this transition year right with DeRozan, that we'll figure we still have no solution to the DeRozan aldridge and that team they didn't do anything this offseason bren forbes you know moved on but that's about it you know they were 39 and 31 or, or 32 and 39 something like that you know with a chance to fight for it at the bubble um you know, they've never been a bottom out team, so you figure they're gonna try to compete. Is Oak City the only one? I mean, they hell have every draft pick in the world for the next 10 drafts anyway. You you know Minnesota's gonna try to compete and Sacramento is gonna try to compete. Have we now gotten to a situation with Phoenix doing what they're doing and some of these other teams doing what they're doing, where we only have one team that doesn't have playoff hopes? this upcoming season in the Western conference
0: until San Antonio moves the Marcus Aldridge into Marta Rosen. I believe there's still playoff hope there. You're not going to see Greg Popovich tanking games. Right. So is Oak city, the only one Oklahoma city, they have a, a pretty easy pathway to the top odds and the draft lottery for the privilege and the the potential opportunity to draft Cade Cunningham. Who's one of those no brainer, top prospects. And if you don't get, if you don't get Cade Cunningham, there's a couple other guys in the draft, Boston, Jalen green, among others that are going to be quality prospects that would have went number one this year. Had they been in this year's draft class, 2021 is stacked.
3: Also a kid playing in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm.
0: Cade Cunningham, man, right? He's playing
3: in Oklahoma. So he could could be
0: in Oklahoma city. I'll tell you what, let's this. We're really jumping ahead here, but for Oklahoma city, the vision is quite clear. The vision is clear. You got Shea Gildas Alexander, a big jumbo size point guard. You drafted Alexei Pokushevsky, who's seven feet, plays like a guard. If you're able to get Cade Cunningham and bring him into your roster at six-foot-seven, multi-positional defender, who's a magnificent passer, you could be one of those teams whose smallest player on the court is Shea Gildas Alexander. Your smallest. And I would bet Sam Presti in that front office they're going to do everything they can, everything they can to get that number one pick next year because they have, they're going to have top lottery odds with their own pick. Maybe they end up with number one themselves, but if they end up two, they end up three, If they want to trade up to one. They might have the ammo to do it to get Kate Cunningham because he's a no-brainer to me. No-brainer to go number one. And by the way, with Cunningham, the one question with him is like, how good is he as a shooter? There's no question about the defense, no question about the decision-making, even the mentality. He's so mature for his age. There's never been a question about anything except for the jump shot, average jump shot, not poor shooter like Ben Simmons, but average. Reports out of Oklahoma say he's been one of the best shooters on their team, second behind only their, their sharpshooter on their roster. If Cade Cunningham has made improvements as a shooter since the end of his high school season, his high school career, He is going to be one of those guys that's a no-duh, you know Zion-level number one prospect.
3: The only one I've seen is the kid the year behind him. That kid where people told me that I was going to be watching the next Durant, he really is. You're talking about Bates? Yeah, Imani Bates. Imani Bates is the one. He is the one of the preps that I've seen where I was like, oh, my God, this is franchise changing. Like this is unbelievable. This is that guy is going to change an NBA franchise, and it does feel Duranty for sure. And he evidently just keeps getting better and better and better.
0: You know, we'll see how he matures over his last you know couple of years before the NBA. But like he also has kind of a Kevin Garnett vibe on the court. He talks trash. He's really tough. Like he's intimidating for you. And, I might tank.
3: I might tank for him. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. you. He, he might. He might. He, he may test me, because that kid. Oh my mm. God. We just fun. have had very few. We've had very few. They're like. I think he's like that. That special once in a generation type guy. I really I think do. So too.
0: You know. There's a. There, I mean, like, Cunningham's are going to be a very high level player too. Though I'm not sure about like generational but he's really 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 good and like i i he checks every box the only question is what level does the jumper reach and i'm excited to see that whenever college basketball is actually going to get started with some of these delays that we're having but <laughs> you know we'll see man
3: last last question instant review or instant reaction to the New York Knicks new brass and their with the offseason they have had
0: let me just do, let me just double check with who they added. <laughs> I gotta got look at the list. Austin Rivers, Le- Alec Burks, Noel. No, please, please leave it in. I like to pause. <laughs> Al- Austin Rivers, Alec Burks, Nirlans Noel, and obviously they had their draft with Obi Topkin, who chooses number one, Obi Wan. You get yep. it, Obi Wan? <laughs> Obi Wan. So with the Knicks. It's quite clear what their plan is, too, Chris. (laughs) It's quite clear what their plan is. I'll tell you what. Conserve camp space and tank, baby.
3: Tibbs having to watch a team lose every single night is not going to be fun watch. Oh, yeah.
0: He's going to lose his voice. I love it, buddy. You don't like those moves? Burks, Rivers, Noel. I mean, they, they should be tanking. There should be tank city in New York for them next year. Let let Brooklyn take take all the spotlight, you know, to let them get all the credit in the limelight and everything else for one year, two years, maybe three years. But tank and get yourself one of the top prospects in 2021. This is a good year to tank because you, you mentioned all those teams yep. in the West, Chris, that are trying to compete, trying to get in the playoffs, trying to get a play-in spot. Well, that opens an opportunity for some of those higher lottery positions. There's, there's not, not many teams. You know what I mean? not. There's, there's really a lot not. Of teams
3: competing. There is. Yes. Almost be- I mean like you you got maybe one in the west and what? Like I mean with Charlotte doing the stupid Gordon Hayward thing <laughs> they are going to compete. Who the hell knows? Detroit, I
0: guess they think they're competing. Cleveland um, won't be competitive either. Cleveland. Chicago Chicago's going to try to compete. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, Washington's trying to compete, Charlotte's and Atlanta's trying
3: to compete. Trying. Yep. So I mean, yep. what? You got like You got New York and Cleveland
0: are for certain. And then Oklahoma city. And I'm sure some teams will have injury issues or they'll make a trade, but whatever, you know, there will be another team that enters that conversation, but it's pretty clear. (laughs) Cleveland, New York, Oklahoma city. They got eyes for those top guys in 2021.
3: Well, it has certainly been an extremely fun off-season. We knew it was all going to come very fast and furious. <laughs> Kevin, have an unbelievable Thanksgiving. Um, I hope everybody – look, I just want to say this real quickly. This year has sucked, for sure. Yeah. There's no has. way around it. Um, but we've still got a lot to be thankful for, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're listening to this podcast – Um, As hard as this year may have been, you're at least listening to a podcast about the NBA, right? (laughs) And um, we are certainly thankful for all of you that have continued to listen to us throughout this entire year. And I mean that sincerely, because we we did podcasts all the way through. And... You know, when we did mailbag shows, everybody came through and we had more mailbag questions than we could have ever used. And certainly, very, very appreciative to everybody that listens to the mismatch um, that continues to participate in this and support us throughout this year. Because though this year has been really crappy for everybody,
0: um, I'm very, very thankful for that for sure. No doubt. And I mean, ultimately, it's the type of thing where we're all able to share in this crap. This year that we're all dealing with and all growing going through, and in some ways, I feel like that's you know, hopefully made us closer. You know, and, you know whether it's with you know people we don't know, you know, like we you only hear on a podcast or with your own family or friends. Um, so ultimately, I'm I'm thankful for some of the relationships that I have, like with you, you know, Chris and Sasha, and and you know, friends at the Ringer, and with my mom. I feel like I've grown closer. I've always been close with my mom, but. This year, like, you know, after losing my dad in February and then the pandemic in March, we spent every day together and I'm closer every every single day with her and I'm. I'm beyond thankful for that relationship I have and beyond thankful for the relationship with you guys you know the listeners and we'll have an announcement as well next Tuesday we are gonna have an announcement next
3: Tuesday a yeah, good, good thing good thing good thing a good, good thing yes. good thing announcements um, thank you to producer Sasha as always everybody have a wonderful Thanksgiving there is no show on Friday so we'll be back with you next Tuesday until then have a great weekend everybody see y'all.